in what was maybe the most predictable game in the NFL schedule and result for this week. The Miami Dolphins get drilled in Minnesota and all of a sudden back to 500 and likely out of the playoff picture after the great Miami miracle, guys. Here we are again, back to the same old Dolphins. One in six now on the road. Will Manso, Clay Furrow, Dukey Lang. Guys, I, I don't know about you. We didn't talk about this beforehand, not just before the pod, but before the game in Minnesota. I thought the Dolphins were going to lose by double figures. I thought every road game this year, other than the Jets, when it was early in the season, and Sam Darnold in his, what, second or third start, every road game has been a double-digit loss. Adam Gase's team, for some reason, can't figure out how to play well on the road. So I was not at all surprised about what happened Sunday. Is there anything Sunday that surprised you, Clay? No, not in the least. No. I think that's kind of maybe the how bad the final score was. I, You know, I, I don't think I would have expected nine sacks. I, I would have expected the Dolphins to go in there and run the football a little better, which would have taken the heat off of, off of Tannehill in the passing game. But... You know, we talked about this a little bit last week, and and we were trying so hard for most of that podcast to uh, not try to dampen what we had just seen and and just enjoy the moment, enjoy the Miami miracle. But here's the bottom line. As we sit here today, the Miami Dolphins are once again 500, and they had the fourth worst point differential in the entire NFL, Mm -hmm. minus 79. And and that's just – look – you can, at the same time, give credit to the Dolphins for forcing turnovers and, and finding a way to win close games, but also acknowledge at the same time that the point differential probably gives you a better idea mm-hmm. of who this team is. Yeah, and I think you know some of the stuff is a little smoke and mirrors. You know, When you have to live off that turnover and the one big play, look, a couple of big plays almost turned the tide on Sunday. The Fitzpatrick return for a touchdown, the interception, the Kalen Balazs big run to open the second half. But, Dookie, my thing is this. You know, when you sit there and you say to yourself, okay, yeah, the Dolphins are what they are. They're not really shocking us in what they do. This is, team is on course to be a 500 team, which I think most people that know the Dolphins figured they were a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight team, most likely. And, and, and look, all indications are that's what they're going to be at this point. So when you see that, okay, fine. Why are they so bad on the road, though? Because they're not just – I mean, they're 1-6 on the road, 6-1 at home. So essentially they are a on record-based – a Super Bowl contender when they play at home, and when they're on the road, they are a team fighting for one of the top three picks in the draft. So what do they do that travels well, right? Because that's what good teams get turnovers. Play with. Maybe maybe they feed uh, off the energy of the home crowd. I, but the, but in terms of travels well, if you look at teams that are, you asked me today right after the game, you said why don't the Dolphins play well on the road? I said because they're not a good team. Good teams play well on the road because they have mm. certain attributes they, they of well the team. At home, though, I mean, you know, I I give the Dolphins organization credit for reestablishing the home field advantage at Hard Rock because it wasn't there for a while. I don't know if it's and and you you hear them talk about this a lot on broadcasts and you see the games the way the two sidelines are set up where the home sidelines in the shade and the road sideline you always see the opposing teams mm-hmm. in the tent sweating it out that certainly could be a factor and you know what if it is good for the Dolphins for exploiting it I'm not I'm not hating on them for doing that I just think that on the road other teams recognize we're not playing a very good team and and you know you asked your first question was was there anything that happened in this game that surprised you. <laughs> I was surprised after the Kalen Balaj touchdown. Basically, Kirk Cousins' interception to Minka Fitzpatrick. Give Minka credit for housing yeah, it. Pick in six. Front of, yeah, he made in a front. good play. Yeah. But Kirk Cousins at that point, 
They were up 21 to nothing. He did absolutely the one thing in the world that you could not do to give the Miami Dolphins life to get back into that game. So pick six, now the Dolphins are down 14. They had another opportunity in the red zone in the first half. They had to settle for a field goal. So at that point, I thought, okay, ball game over. I mean, they were going to get, I knew they were going to get the ball back first in the second half, but they're not a good enough team where they can, mm-hmm. where they can settle for three and not seven, especially when you spot the other team 21 points. Then the Bellage play happens, and I'm sitting there, I'm going, wow. First play from scrimmage, that building was stunned silent. Frank Gore had gotten hurt. Okay, I expected the Dolphins' momentum to make it a better game. And after those two plays, they didn't do anything. But that's, you know, that, they, that's they did the nothing. theme of this offense, though. The, the theme of this offense is, they yes, they've won some games, but they really don't do much. I mean, I get it. Look, I can't, every time we talk about a team, because every NFL team could use this excuse, I hate having to preface, oh, I know, but Albert Wilson's out and Jakeem Grant's out. I get it. Like I said, every NFL team has players that are out, that miss games, that are out for the season, that miss other games. You can't just keep saying, oh, but, because even early in the season when they had Albert Wilson, Shaquem Grant, they were kind of winning smoke and mirrors, Mm -hmm. like one big play now and then. And granted, those were the guys making the big plays, but there was never any consistency. I remember the Oakland game where they, the Raiders just dominated them. They had like over double of the plays and the yardage and they were do- and then the big play in that game changed the game. But this is the Raiders that were dominating you. So if you look up and down the list of games this year, the Dolphins are getting outgained in every game, sometimes by double the margin. There is no consistency with the offense and it's not just a one or two game thing. This this is the entire season, Clay. And I think that's the problem that Dolphins start looking at. So when you start judging like Ryan Tannehill for instance and Adam Gase's offense and you say, well, Ryan Tannehill's got a good quarterback rating. He's top 10 in the NFL. When he went. All that stuff means nothing because you got to produce. you got to score points. you got you got to move the ball, and they're not. They just don't do it consistently. Let's go back to your original question, which I like a lot, which is why don't they play well on the road? In order to play well on the road, you need a few things. Number one, you need to be able to do something to stem the tide when things start to go against you. And to do that, you need something that is sustainable. You need an identity. I have no clue what this Dolphins identity is. We said last week, hey, maybe in that Patriots game they found an identity because they were able to run the football, and and maybe they'll actually lean on that. Well, then you fall behind 21-0 yeah. in Minnesota, and, you know, and Frank got window. hurt, and Kenyon Drake, uh, for some reason or the other, wasn't, you know, whether he's a little banged up still or, or the confidence in him being consistent. I like what we saw in Bellage. That was nice sure. to see. Sure, well, that's great. Let's go back, though, because I teams that went on the road, there are two teams that, that come to mind, teams that won big on the road that were kind of eh, throughout the season, but then they really started to pick it up on the road late in the season and turned it into Super Bowl wins. The two teams that, that really come to my mind recently – the Giants and the Baltimore Ravens. And what did those teams do well? They ran the football really well. And this was back when you had Brandon Jacobs and, mm-hmm. and, and the ability at what, earth, wind, and fire in the backfield. And you go on the road and you're able to win football games on the road in cold weather uh, when things are against you. Why? Because a running game is sustainable. When you have a good offensive line, you're able to push guys off the ball. That's sustainable. You know what else is sustainable? A front four that gets after the quarterback. Because you don't need to blitz. You're not going to uh, expose guys on the back end. That Giants team had that. Baltimore Ravens. You know what else they had? They had a strong arm quarterback in Joe Flacco that was able to throw the ball down the field to deep threats in addition to having a great defense and being able to lean on that running game a little bit. So they had the identity. 
what is this Dolphins team's identity? Because the identity cannot be, well, we make big plays happen. Because that's not sustainable. Mm. Turnovers are not sustainable. Hey, look at Vegas. Vegas refuses to acknowledge turnovers when they set lines because they view it as luck. Luck cannot be your identity unless you're the Colts. yeah, exactly. And you know, our you sponsor had that today. One the <laughs> I had just came it. up with it. Actually. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, no better business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for sixty years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Three hundred South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Which is, you know, to the point of of the identity of this team. It, it really goes to the identity of their coach. Adam Gase wants you to believe that he's this tough. He, he, he's a he, he's a he, he's a guy who takes chances. He's a gambler. He's going to go out there and he's a, he's got the innovative mind. I'm going to take chances. I'm going to run a trick play and I'm going to do this. And I'm I've got I know offenses. I know quarterback play. And then down twenty-one nothing with a fourth and three at the opponent's forty-four. You punt. And those are things or. In moments in key games against the Colts and other teams where you had a chance to put the game on the hands of your quarterback and, and go grab the game and try to win the game, you, you're conservative. I think the biggest identity problem on this team is Adam Gase's identity. Here we are three years into Adam Gase. I don't know what his identity is. Yeah, they can't win on the road. Fine. We can analyze that all day and not come up with the answer. But one thing we can figure out at Adam Gase is I don't even know if he knows what he is because sometimes, yeah, he could be a gambler and take a shot, but then sometimes he does things that are just, you're sitting there scratching your head. And I think that's why there was a report on Sunday, Pro Football Talk had a report saying that, that and, I, and I promised that we were going to stay away from getting in-depth on Adam Gase in the front office future till the offseason. But I have to mention only because Pro Football Talk reported it saying that basically Stephen Ross will consider moves and he's going to see how they make a push to the playoffs or what happens, uh, and that Adam Gase's obviously future is up in the air because of that. I think it should be. I tried hard, Dookie, to defend Adam Gase. I have, because I feel like at some point you got to give a coach a shot that's more than just a one- or two-year sample size, a few years to lay his culture and style in. problem is I, I don't know what Adam Gase's culture and style is. Well, you guys asked. It's funny because – Identity could be a positive thing or identity could be a negative thing, okay? I'll use an analogy. The last couple of years, what do Heat fans talk about in terms of the third quarter? What's the, what, do, what do Heat— uh, yeah, It's a terrible quarter. That it doesn't go well. Yeah. So there, there is— there, There's an emoji that, there, that There is a negative that. identity to that, okay? So <laughs> the Miami Dolphins have a very clear identity. All three of us sitting here, okay? They had, a week ago, their biggest, most exciting regular season win— in what? 20 years? 30 years? Forever? I mean, okay, so they follow that up. And yet all of us at this table knew that they were going to come out and lay an egg today. That is their identity. Their identity is that they are inconsistent. If they play really well, they're going to play really badly. If they play really badly, they'll come back and they'll yeah, play pretty well. That? But what about Adam and it Gase, leaves them, though? And, what about Adam Gase, though, controlling that identity? Because play, here's the thing, players will be inconsistent because players are in a demanding sport where one yeah. tip play, one play changes everything. A coach is different, though. A coach can have a consistent way of coaching and a consistent approach, and I don't think Adam Gase truly has one. And I couldn't sit here now and probably won't even sit here in the offseason and say they should fire Adam Gase and move on. I, I don't feel that strongly about Adam Gase in that way. But here's the problem. I don't feel that strongly in him that if you argue me that he should go yeah. for me to defend him and say you got to keep him. Yeah. I, I'm, listen, that fourth down call was 
very telling. It bothered me as I watched it because you're down 21 nothing. You're trying to make the playoffs, and it, and it's not like your defense is so good that they're going to go out there and stop them. It basically showed no confidence in both the offense and the defense with the same decision. He's He feels like he's just always kind of piece it together because he— Adam Gase has like a vision. He has a plan. He's a play caller. So he designs a play Mm -hmm. that Ryan's going to do this and Mm -hmm. Ryan's going to do that. And basically, honestly, Adam Gase basically has the same problem that that Ryan Tannehill does, which is he can't go through his progressions. When option A doesn't work for him, he doesn't, he may have an option B, but he's not comfortable with it. I think that's a a fantastic point, that's That's why they're married to each other, because Adam Gase... He, that's why he talks about injuries. That's why he'll he'll make the excuse. That's why he'll he'll say, "Oh, well, we didn't have Ryan last year, so we brought in Jay, and then I'll pull my hat real low and not talk to you guys." And and the reason he does that is because he comes in like this mad scientist. He designs something, and then something goes wrong because they're the Dolphins. And rather than go, "Okay, we're going to adjust," I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, Devonte Parker. Adam Gase clearly doesn't like Devontae Parker, okay? Not just because he didn't get a lot of targets on Sunday, but just in general. You can sense that the entire Dolphins organization has written Devontae Parker off as a bust. Even last week, in in the greatest play the Dolphins have had in however long, you know, the Miami Miracle, Devontae Parker was the second guy to touch the ball, and when they asked Gase about it, he couldn't withhold his disdain for Parker. So when they lose Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant initially, okay, Parker had one good game. But I don't understand why Gase didn't figure out, okay, I may not like this guy, Parker. Parker may be gone next year, but maybe no. He, he, he's what we have. So for if we're going to make a playoff push, I need to change my mindset, change my relationship with this guy, and figure out a way to make him a viable option. Next man up. I mean, and, some and, guys may not be able to. I, I will say this for Gase. I mean, I, I don't know if Parker is a guy that you could really fix in this on this team. He may be a guy that with his talent somewhere else, and I think it will be somewhere but else. But it's, it's about adjusting. It it's get if, it. if 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 but like I, I, I mean, compare think... it to other coaches, right? So if you know Eric Spolstra may not love Hassan Whiteside, let's use that as an analogy. But you know what? Eric Spolstra is going to figure out a way to use the right minutes and the right structure and the right plays to yeah. get something out of him. <laughs> If you, are we sure? I, I mean, are we sure that's happened? No, but but I get your point, and and let me let me kind of use it. Uh, when I heard you say the initial point, what immediately struck me was, yeah, look, it it stunk losing Albert Wilson. It really stunk losing him. It stunk losing Jakeem Grant. What I remember about this offense with those two guys, what they you schemed up specific plays to get those guys the football yeah. in space. What I have not seen much of is scheming up ways to get Devontae Parker the ball. Not necessarily in space, because obviously short area quickness is not going to be his strength. But why aren't we seeing more, and I know fans hate this, but why aren't we seeing more of the quick wide receiver screens at the outside where if he gets two steps going in the right direction, breaks one tackle, he can make something happen, which we've seen him do before. Um, So, yeah, to your point, I think, yes, you have to adjust and find a way to use the players that you've got. And... I, I do think the comparison with Ryan Tannehill is really interesting because I think there was one play specifically that stood out in my mind. You mentioned before the end of the first half them having to kick the field goal. There was a play where Kenyon Drake was so wide open on the sideline and could have waltzed into the end zone. That was a missed opportunity, yeah. Big time. And because Tannehill was so focused on the middle of the field and it was not there 
And I think it was Nick O'Leary who he tried mm-hmm. to hit over the middle, and he got popped and lost the ball. Almost got picked off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but regardless, I mean, best case scenario, he catches the ball for a two-yard gain. And, and, but he didn't go through his progressions. And, and hey, I I'm think, glad you say that. Yeah. And, and I wonder if, to, to Lang's point, is this something where – the team is kind of mirroring the coach and and sometimes when option A is gone they don't they don't seem to go to option B very well it, within individual plays yep. within game planning like within scheming whatever it might be yeah, and the, you know it's funny you mentioned and I'm glad you did because that play stands out from a few plays look Tannehill was on his rear end the whole game it got sacked nine times got pressured many others he didn't he wasn't given much of a chance because the offensive line was so bad and not only were they bad it wasn't like the Vikings were coming with full blitzes and Tannehill can get the ball out to the quick hot receiver there was they were losing battles one on one on four mm-hmm. four man five man rushes. They, there was nothing that Tano could really do because he didn't have time to let plays develop. Adam Gase said after the game there was a couple of times where receivers were open, but Ryan was getting sacked. But my thing with Tannehill, this is why quarterback rating doesn't matter to me, mm-hmm. and this is why when people argue with me, but he's having his best season, it's the same. And I always bring it full circle to the team I watch. Like I watch the Giants, obviously being a Giants fan. Eli Manning statistically is having a good season. He is. Uh, his quarterback ratings in the mid to upper 90s. It's been that way, you know, better than any season he's ever had, certainly on par with any season he's ever had. His yards per game, all those different things. Uh, he's throwing less interceptions. You may find that hard to believe, given because the Giants are so bad and because Eli has had his moments mm-hmm. throughout the years. But it's because he he misses, he goes to his first read or, or, or either makes completion or throws the ball away, but he doesn't see the other things. He's missing things around him. Mm-hmm. And I bring it to that only because I feel the same about Ryan Tannehill. The numbers may look okay, but if you really watch him on a play-to-play, it's the plays he leaves out on the field. Mm-hmm. It's the moments where he misses things. Doesn't audible, doesn't change up, doesn't recognize a situation where he can change Gaze things or up. or Tannehill? Tannehill. Oh, okay, because they both if, do the same thing. Well, I don't know so much in Gase. I think Gase has tried at times to just I don't even think Ryan Tannehill has. That's the one thing he's lacking in his game, that awareness to try. We talk about his pocket lack of awareness, you know, and, and we've seen it throughout his career. It hasn't gotten better. I think his awareness just to make the right decision on certain plays and, and, and get a second or third option mm-hmm. on a play. If everything goes well, most NFL quarterbacks are going to make plays. If they have time, if the receiver gets open, if they have a clear path to throw, a clear lane, most NFL quarterbacks will make the play. Tannehill this year, when he's had time and it's gone perfect, he's played well. And, and by the way, even the best quarterbacks in the NFL and the best offenses, there's a lot of stuff that's schemed up. How many times do you see Drew Brees just flipping it to Alvin Kamara immediately right after the, the ball is snapped? Mm-hmm. They show the choice route all the time where Kamara just picks a, a direction to go and Brees follows him. How many times do you see Sean McVay talking to Jared Goff in, in his headset uh, up until the 15-second mark, and he looks at what the defense is doing? The difference is Drew Brees will have three, four, maybe five plays a game where it's third down and he's getting rushed and he has to go to option C or D. And and frankly, the Saints have guys who should not even be on the practice squad right now, but Brees finds a way to find them in many instances. And I think that's what separates when you're looking at your quarterbacks. You can't look at the quarterback rating so much. You have to look at, all right, on the film, when things starts to when things start to go to you know where, how does the quarterback respond? When when they're double teaming Kenny Stills, when uh, Danny Amendola trips, when when Gasicki can't get open, 
can he find option D? And I, I don't, I, it's, it's tough to, to say this without, hey, we're, we're piling on Tannehill after he got sacked nine times, but there are going to be times throughout the course of every single game, regardless of what's happened up to that point in the game, where you got to find a way to make a play when things are going against you, and we just haven't seen Tannehill have that ability to do that. What now? Well, it's it's yeah. funny, Clay. You, you described that was such a like real sports. I, I feel like Brian Gumbel Sorry, is just sitting next to me. No, no, no. Just <laughs> just with with Will saying what now? What no, now? What now? What really? Here's what happens. Here's what happens. It's a broken record, guys. It's a broken record. It is. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to beat Jacksonville because Jacksonville's terrible. The circumstances around them will eliminate them from the playoffs because it would be the most Dolphins thing to happen would be they win and get eliminated. Then they'll go to Buffalo and because they're bad on the road, they'll lose. They'll finish eight and eight. Adam Gase will sit down with Stephen Ross and that is his most important conversation of the year. What I think he will do is he will throw two things under the bus. He will throw injuries and he will throw Matt Burke and he will hope that he can fire his defensive coordinator blame injuries, say, we're going to get our offense healthy. We did this, that, and the other. Look at all the good things that we built up. I'm coming back next year. (laughs) And he's going to try to run it back again. That's going to be his case. And then Stephen Ross will decide, all right, am I okay with what happened this season? Did I see enough flashes to where I like the structure of what's going on up top and I like the structure of the coaching and okay, the quarterback, you know, he missed five games and they still finished eight and eight and, and, and to look at all of that mm-hmm. and Steven Ross is going to decide, am I going to blow it up or am I going to keep it? And ultimately, I don't know. I I, I don't know what Steven yeah, Ross is going to do. I mean, I know what I would do, but I don't know what Steven I'll Ross tell, would I'll do. I'll tell you what, I think, and I know this is a dumb way to look at it, but I really think this is the way that it would happen. If the Dolphins just collapse these last two games and lose to the Jackson Bills, I think that Adam Gase gets fired. Yeah, but I, I don't think it is. I don't think Stephen Ross will make the decision to fire Adam Gase. I think Stephen Ross would make the decision to replace his front office and then allow his front office to come in and make that decision. And and I think because this is, look, and maybe this is just me hoping <laughs> because we've seen it go the other way so many times, but how many times have we seen this thing done piecemeal where, all right, well, I'm going to fire the coach, but not the front office. Well, I'm going to bring in Mike Tannenbaum to advise Dennis Hickey, but not really going to fire him yet. I, I think that Stephen Ross has kind of learned his lesson. That's Maybe that's just me being mm-hmm. Pollyanna here, pie in the sky, thinking that, hey, people are going to learn from past mistakes. I think if a decision is made, it is going to be a sweeping front office change. That would and, be the way say, to go. Look. Yeah, it would be the way. You know, it's funny because sweeping front office changes doesn't always mean rebuild. You know, you can – I don't know if the Dolphins need to or will scrape down the roster. And, the, you know, I think the, a new general manager, head of football operations, head coach, could come in with their style and bring in their style of players. But the word rebuild gets thrown around a lot – to me, the Dolphins have slowly been trying to rebuild the last couple of years mm-hmm. from a roster perspective, but you can't truly rebuild anything on the Dolphins until you move on from Ryan Tannehill. And I'm not saying they have to. I'm not saying that, that Tannehill deserves all the blame, but we've seen enough of Tannehill and the way this team plays with him and different teams have played with him that y- you're going to get this. This is the product you're going to get. Mm-hmm. You want to get a little more, then go rebuild with someone else. Go go fix this roster with someone else. And most likely, you're right. Most likely, that is going to be some sort of new regime. Now, I don't know if that's going to be after this offseason, 
but at some point it's going to happen. You know, one thing to keep in mind is a game that actually wasn't the Dolphins game. It's the Patriots lost on Sunday. So they have what, Will? Five losses? for the, What were you first telling time, me? First time since 2009 is what I read. Hmm. So the door's a little bit open, right? So the door's open because uh, Tom Brady's 80 years old. And, uh, but the point is that... And so that, is Gronk, that, by the way. Yeah. I think that would be a source of frustration for me if I were... Stephen Ross because it's, this was the year. because because the Patriots it's not like the Patriots went thirteen and three and yeah. it didn't matter what you did they're they're nine and five I mean that is you put together an eleven win season mm-hmm. you can with a horrendous rest of the division mm-hmm. where if you're decent you you're handed four wins yeah. wasn't a very tough schedule and you go one and six on the road that is a major problem and I do want to say this because I wasn't here last week and welcome back <laughs> thank you I was on the road. Back from Orlando listening to the Miami uh, Sports Pod. Along with the Miami Miracle, oh. listening to it on the radio. Took me a little while to figure out what happened. Twitter helped. Figured out what happened. I feel genuinely bad for Dolphins fans. Like, like today, my heart hurts for them because they went from pure euphoria, the, the, the top of the mountain, to, to beat Brady and Belichick and have Gronk look ridiculous and this amazing play and this good feeling and on every national show to just a predictable, boring, pummeling where Tannehill got destroyed and now we're sitting here and we're firing everybody. And that's been, it was a that's week. That's Miami Dolphins I, I mean, they went, they went, you want to talk about identity, I, just to go from that high where where people are talking about this is, and because people weren't just like, oh, we won a good game. People were like, we won this game and now we're going to springboard to the Super Bowl. And you knew all along, no, you're not. You're no, going to, you're going to lose to Minnesota eight and, eight, yeah. and you're going to end up eight and eight and not in the playoffs. And it was just so pretty. It was like watching Charlie Brown try to kick that football. Yeah. Like you knew it was coming, and 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 people think that media types are are, are cold. I, I I genuinely felt bad watching that game because I'm like, people can't even enjoy like they can't even enjoy a win for a week we because it, seven days later like it was for, it was exactly a week we enjoyed. It. And I, I mean, now what does a win mean? I mean, it's like that Michael Thomas play that he had against Brady. Great interception. They didn't do anything that year, but. Nice moment, Michael Thomas. By the way, when you heard your honor, you get your uh, spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So you had to put the finishing touches on this, guys. Uh, look, this might be this might be. One of our last Dolphins season type podcasts. It, it probably going to turn our attention out of the off season soon because I think we all agree that the Dolphins aren't going to make the playoffs. I think I saw their projected chances like three or four percent. I also think we all agree that there could be some big changes, and those are things we're going to discuss uh, in order. This is I want in order. Who who are the most likely culprits here as far as taking the blame and not being here? And being the fall guy, are you going with Matt Burke, Adam Gase, Ryan Tannehill? What order do you think guys don't return next year? All three? Are, are you are you saying most likely to be gone? Yes. Burke first. Mm-hmm. Tannehill, excuse me. Uh, I'd say Gase second, mm-hmm. and and uh, Tannenbaum third. Uh, and and Tannehill fourth only because the way Tannehill's contract is set up, mm-hmm. 
it would make sense to keep him even as a bridge guy. And and the reason why I'm I'm saying all of that in that order is because it's kind of a dominoes effect. There's a domino right, effect of falling. Though, right. Like like Lang said, I I do believe that that Burke will be made out to be the fall guy. I feel like uh, there is a chance that if if Tannenbaum and and Greer stick around, they could make Gase the fall guy. And I, I think ultimately, if if Tannenbaum and Greer are let go, I think whoever comes in next would look at Ryan Tannehill and say, okay, we've got somebody who is at least serviceable for the next season. Yeah, I I think my list, by the way, as I send this to Dukey, is I, I think Tannenbaum's on top of the list. I think I think Burke, because I think Burke is almost like a given. Uh, I don't think there's anything Burke could do to save his job, nor nor should he. I don't care. I don't care if they shut out teams the last two weeks of the season. This defense has been so bad, uh, but I think Tannenbaum and Gase are going to be interconnected in the sense that if Tannenbaum and Greer, that combo, that front office goes, I just think a GM that comes in ahead of football operations is going to want to get rid of, of the head coach. It's just going to want to start fresh, especially given look if you're a GM type and you're looking out there and say, okay, what qualities does Adam Gase have? Well, he hasn't really developed his quarterback. He hasn't formed this juggernaut of an offense that he was supposed to given his background as a quarterback guru and offensive guy, and he can't win on the road. Not just can't win, can't compete on the road. Uh, who am I keeping and why? You know, and then Tan- and then Tannehill is just, I think to Clay's point, maybe comes back and that capacity is just one more year fill in if you draft a young guy. Uh, but I think, I guess Dukey's this, there are going to be a lot of changes, aren't there? I mean, this it, you would hope that – but when I say changes, every team has changed, but major changes. I mean, you would hope. I know there's going to be a lot of finger-pointing. I mean, the, the Everybody's problem, trying to save their rear end. Yeah, that, exactly. It's it, The problem is we're sitting here, and if I said, all right, what's wrong with Miami if – if I said right on a piece of paper, what's the Miami Dolphins' biggest problem, and we put 10 people who cover the team, you'd get 10, 10 different, different answers, answers and they'd right. all be right because everything's yeah. wrong, wrong with well, Miami uh, Dolphins. Unless you ask Matt Burke because he says he's doing a great there's, job. There, there is nothing – Wait, did he say that? Remember they said that two weeks ago. I he didn't. Said, I, I oh, yeah. didn't hear that. Well, Matt Burke said he's like, I, I think I'm doing a good job. I think I'm doing my job. I, think I I'm did doing not a good hear job. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's so a, I, I, I love his uh, confidence and lack of awareness all at once. <laughs> it got lost in his beard. Everything. So everything is wrong with the team. So where do you fix? And everything is wrong with the team. Anywhere you want. You can get rid of the quarterback. You can get rid of the coach. You can get rid of the people who shop for the groceries. It's. What's, what's going to be fun and interesting, I guess, is just to watch the the you did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. No, you did it. Sort of the uh, the Tannehill and Tannebaum Spider-Man meme. And we're, they, we are just, go, we're going to find out which media people, are, who their sources are. Yeah, yeah the point, the, because the, the reality is everybody wants to save their bacon at this point. Yeah. Because now that the season, for all intents and purposes, hasn't been saved, now it's time for people to save their jobs. Yeah. And well, so it's going to be job-saving yeah. season down in Davie. And, you know... I don't know what it is. I, a teeny little part of me thinks that I don't know what Stephen Ross's fascination is with Adam Gase, but I have a feeling, it's a tiny feeling, that Gase and Ross, when they get into a room, Gase is going to be able to convince Ross that 
circumstance. He's going to he's going to do his best sell job of the year. Better than he does when he goes no, I, up every I, Monday. I, I, and when, I, I disagree I, because I think Stephen Ross just loves superstars. But, but listen, loves, Stephen Ross, is he's 78 years old. He loves right? the Harbaugh type, the big name type. And they got the Super Bowl coming here next year. And I don't think he wants to have host the Super Bowl after Dolphins go 6-10 and 10 again. I, I, so I, I think something... Yes, which is what Adam Gase has gave him last right, year. Right, yeah. which, right. So, essentially 7-9 so, this year, 8-8. Eight eight. Before last season, I would agree, uh, have agreed with you as far as the fascination. I think... The Jay Cutler move. Yeah, I, I feel like it Adam Gase. Ten million bucks. That, right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. And and that was the one thing that Stephen Ross was very clear on. That it was, hey, I'm spending ten million bucks. This better work, and it didn't. And I, mean, and yeah. I feel he came like in, look, he came in and stole ten million dollars. He, he did. He did. And, and look, good for him. But look, hey, good work if you get it. You you, you buy you a lot of cell phones. Right? You don't become a fabulous businessman like Stephen Ross is without having a love of money. And yeah. not liking it when it goes away, and so I, I think losing that amount of money when I think Adam Gase probably when you talk about that fascination, I'm sure part of this was Adam Gase convincing him that Jay Cutler could come in and do a great job. I think that he convinced him to throw away ten million dollars in his oh mind, and that probably dropped that fascination and uh, how he liked him so a the, little bit, the, little bit. The one thing I would be interested to see, the one thing that hasn't happened yet, haven't heard even an iota of it, and and this will indicate how desperate or not desperate Adam Gase is. I have never heard Adam Gase say, Ryan's not good enough to win with me. I need to upgrade that position. Like, I'm looking... He won't. And, well, when his job's on the line, I know he's willing to throw Burke under the bus, but... We already saw they considered a young quarterback But what if Stephen Ross says to him, what if Stephen Ross says, Adam, the only condition under which I will keep you as my head coach is if if you allow the front office to draft you a young quarterback and Ryan is not the starter next year. I think Adam Gase would say, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and and I think... So that would be Adam Gase throwing... No, that would be Ryan Tannehill throwing himself under the bus. Well, and this is just my read on this whole thing. I, I think that Adam Gase is tired of Ryan Tannehill being hurt and and not that I think you can at the same time admire that Ryan Tannehill is tough maybe give him an offensive line well but see I think and this is a whole nother podcast a whole other discussion I think a lot of the the sack problems are not all on the offensive line I think part of that is like Will said checking into a better oh yeah he has terrible awareness so so I think that's part of it Uh, but I but I think that if you if your job and you know Adam Gase's job is riding on the quarterback because he was brought in here as a quarterback whisperer as a, a an offensive guru a quarterback specialist and when your quarterback that you put a lot into either can't get on the field or can't get on the field at a hundred percent capacity did we see Ryan Tannehill run at all today no. in this Vikings game and, yeah. and that is what remember last week against the Patriots there was a comment that Adam Gase made that I thought was really telling. Uh, I think it was on Monday, maybe it was Wednesday, but Adam Gase said, because uh, they asked him about a particular, I think it was a third and short play, and uh, he made a comment, something to the effect of, because Tannehill had left the game with the ankle injury, and he said something to the effect of, well, I can't say what I was thinking, because all of my short down and distance plays involved Tannehill running the ball. So I, And he, he knew at that point he was too hurt to be a running threat. So I think part of, in Adam Gase's mind, when he came here, I think what he saw in film that he liked about Tannehill was the ability to, yes, scheme up part of the offense, uh, accuracy in short passes, frankly, a good deep ball, which I think Tannehill was was unfairly ripped for. 
but I think he loves being able to use Tannehill's legs and the ability to do that. It opened up a whole other element that he obviously did not have with Peyton Manning, uh, as great as Peyton Manning was. So I think that all of those things that he liked about Tannehill, especially the last one, are diminished a bit because Tannehill can't stay healthy. And, and I think he could. So to go back to the original question, if it comes down to him saying, all right, Tannehill's got to go, I think Gase at this point can say, look, I love Ryan. I love his toughness. When healthy, I think I could win with him, but I don't know if he's ever going to be healthy. Well, it's a lot to uh, a lot to take in as we still have two weeks left in the regular season. <laughs> and there's one thing that hasn't changed through 14 games now of Dolphins football is that the old saying, that's so Dolphins, remains. This team is just so trapped in its own identity of what they are this team, they'll get your hopes up for a moment, have an amazing moment like Duke, you mentioned, that Miami miracle that lasts all of a week of a good feeling. And now the feeling is... <laughs> the best play in 40 years yeah, lasts for a now week. The, now the that, feeling I is... Heard, yeah, it's, I heard it's, it's, it, And it's on, to, you know, it's on to a home game against Jacksonville. We'll see what they could do there. Again, even a win, likely they'll be eliminated from the playoffs next week given the matchups of the teams around them. Uh, Miami Dolphins with a lot of questions, as always, as they fall in Minnesota. That is your Miami Sports Pod. We'll continue to talk well into the holidays about that. Maybe the heat will get us talking a little bit better. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what's going on. Thanks for listening.